0: This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's holy word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family and may the Lord bless you. Hear me? There we go. All righty. Oh boy. Well, I feel the presence of God and that's what matters, right? And uh, as, long as, as long as he's here, then we're all right. And, and this isn't about me, this is about him. And uh, so I just believe that God has something for us tonight. Um, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt like you were trying to do the right thing and it completely backfires on you? Like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, yup. Uh, and you're just, you're just trying to do a good thing in your life. And you're like, man, I have been doing the wrong thing so long. I just, I just want to finally do the right thing. And then you're not reaping what you think you should be reaping by doing the right thing. And you, you kind of think to yourself like, man, when I was doing the wrong thing, I feel like if things were going better for me, then now I'm trying to do the right thing. And everything is just going to you know where. Has anybody felt like that before? Anybody relate to that? I was... Uh, I was Thinking about my own life as I was kind of going through this and, and I've I've talked about my life and how I came to know the Lord at a young age. I was 14 and and God did many amazing things and he saved me and it was just it was it was amazing and and uh, I'm so grateful. But there came a time uh, a, a few years after I had served the Lord, I was in my late teens, and although my family had come to church and things were were good, it all kind of started falling apart. Uh, My family started leaving the church. My siblings who had come to know the Lord had kind of drifted away. They were doing their own thing again. My parents were having some real serious issues. And it just got really, really hard. People in the church were doing crazy things. And I was trying to do the church thing. And I thought to myself, like, God, I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been trying to even do the, the church thing. And it just seems to all be backfiring on me. Nothing is going right. I don't even know if this is Worth it. And I got discouraged and I got frustrated. And actually, I even for a few months stepped away from the church completely. And I decided I I, I just I didn't want anything to do with that. I remember having a conversation actually with, with Alan who, who plays the drums. He was he was my first youth pastor years and years ago. And I remember having a conversation on the phone with him saying, I am done. That's it. I'm done. I'm not going back. And I remember even with my wife, and thank God for good women when we act a fool, and uh, thank God for a great wife. Actually, this month, we just celebrated nine years of marriage, and uh, there's nothing better than spending your life with your best friend and the love of your life, and I look forward to growing old with her, and... Uh, it's just been amazing so far. But thank God, you know, she, she, she stuck with it. And I remember, you know, I, I, we would, we were going to go out to dinner or whatever, and I would refuse to go into the church. I would wait in my car outside because I was so angry with the church and, and really with God. Just thinking, man, like, I, I just, I wanted to do everything right, and it all just backfired on me. And so I want to talk about this tonight because I, I think that that many of us at some point in time feel this way. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel this way tonight and you're just like, man, I, it's just not going well. I, I don't know what else to do. I don't have an answer to this. But I believe that there is an answer. I believe that there's a way that we don't have to give into our frustration and our discouragement because things don't go the way that we think they ought to go. So I want to talk to you tonight about uh, just doing this one more time. Doing this one more time. And uh, there's, this, there's this narrative in the uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible, and I love, I've, I've taught on it before. I love talking about it because it's a really cool story. And um, it's its in the book of Second Kings, and it's chapter 4. And just to kind of summarize what happens, we find ourselves face to face with this guy named Elisha. He's the prophet of the day. He's the preacher. He's God's man of the day. And he finds himself constantly going back and forth through this place called Shunem. And there's a woman in this town who wants to do something good for him. She just wants to do the right thing. So she goes to her husband and she says, I want to build a room for this man of God and for his assistance so when they come by they can have a place to rest and they can sleep and they can be okay. And so her husband says, yeah, let's do it. We'll we'll build it. We'll furnish it and all that. And so they do it. They, They build this room and and, I mean, what better thing to do than to than to build a room for the man of God. And so he has this room, and, and he comes and he stays in this room. He's with his assistant, Gehazi. And he he, he asks me, he says, you know, maybe we could do something good for this woman. She's, she's done something amazing for us. Maybe we can repay her somehow. So they call her in and say, can we do anything for you? She says, no, I'm good, I'm good, everything's fine. I know I'm talking fast. I'm just trying to get to the point. Get you out of here on time. And so, <laughs> and so... <laughs> my God, I lost my train of thought. And so they bring her in and and they're asking her, you know, do you need anything? Can we talk to the king? Can we do anything for you? And she's like, no, I'm good. Everything's fine. My husband's good. My marriage is good. We're good. And so he says, you know, I don't don't hear any children in your home. She says, actually, I I haven't been able to have children. We can't have kids. It's not in the stars for us. It's just something we can't have, but I'm okay. He says, no, one year from today, you're going to have a child in your hand. And she looks at him. She says, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up. We have been trying to have kids, and it has not happened for us. Don't get my hopes up for no reason. He says, no, 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 I'm telling you, in one year from today, you're going to have a child. And sure enough, one year later, she has a child. She has a miraculous Birth, And the Bible says that can, uh, the, the child actually grows and, and he's a little bit older now. And he says that he's, he's out in the field with his father and they're working and they're doing their thing. And he comes to his father and he says, my head, my head. And he starts feeling faint. And his father does what any good father does. He tells the servant, take him to his mom because she knows best, right? Like she knows how to handle whatever's going on. We're completely ignorant of how to deal with that. So he takes, him, he takes the boy to his mom and the boy actually dies in her lap. Now imagine, and and the word really doesn't doesn't really encompass it all, but imagine her discouragement. This is a story of a bunch of people trying to do the right thing and it backfiring on them at every angle, at every turn and on all cylinders. She just wanted to build a room for the man of God. And now she's holding a dead child. He just wanted to repay her kindness. There's a dead child. So it goes on to say that she, she, she goes into the room that she made for the man of God, and she places a child on the couch, and she tells her husband, get me a, a servant, get me a donkey, I'm ready to go, I'm going to go see the man of God. And her husband's like, it's not the right time, it's not new moon, it's not the Sabbath, blah, 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 she's like, I'm going anyways. So she goes, and this is where we pick up the story at verse 27 of Second Kings chapter 4. It says, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over, which is his assistant, to push her away, because that's just not something you do. You don't go and just grab on. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. I know there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. Verse 28. And, and again, imagine she's, she's in despair. She's desperate. She's discouraged, she's frustrated, she's sad, but I'd imagine she's also, also kind of mad, right? And the thing you don't want to do is anger a mother because you did something to her kid, right? So I just imagine she's like, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Like, was this my idea? I said everything was okay, didn't I? I didn't ask you for anything. So didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes, Elisha said to Gehazi, I tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. In other words, boy, run. Get there and get there quick. Don't stop for anyone because we have to resolve this issue. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Mm -mm. Your assistant is not good enough, pastor. You're coming with me. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. So this is the first thing they try. He goes and he takes his staff because if you read the Old Testament, you know there's something about staffs and miracles and things. And so he goes and lays his staff and nothing. This is the first thing they try. Verse 32. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. And I imagine he's stressing because... My God, this was was his idea. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. So this is the second thing he tried. So first they lay the stick, it doesn't work, the staff doesn't work. Now he's praying to the Lord. This is the second thing they tried. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself on him, the boy's body grew warm, but he didn't come back to life. This is the third thing that he tries. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. So, so he, he lays a stick, doesn't work. He prays, doesn't work. Lays on the boy, doesn't work. And now he's at the point where he's actually, I don't know if you've ever been in this place where you are so stressed and despaired that you actually start pacing. And you're like, my God, what, what am I going to do? Like, how, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to get out of this situation? The debt collectors keep calling, and, and my marriage is on the fritz, and, and, and what, what, what can I do? Have, has anybody ever been there? Right? So this is where Elisha's at at this point. This guy is stressing. He's, now he's just pacing like, God, this is not working. It's worked every time before. I don't know what is going on. What do I do? So he, re- he thinks, okay, let me try again what I just tried. Then he got in the bed and stretched out on him once more, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes opened his eyes then it goes on to say that he calls the mother in and 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 the boy is is awake and he's alive and he tells the mother he says he says take your son take your son and I was I was thinking about this I was thinking about just this whole thing in my life and 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 started to kind of ask myself some questions about kind of doing the right thing and this is the question that I had to ask myself. And I don't think this is the case for the woman or for Elisha. I, I don't think this was the case. But as I started to think about myself, the question that I asked was, am I, doing, am I getting so frustrated? Am I getting so discouraged because I'm missing something? And then the other question was, am I doing the right things for the wrong reasons? Am I doing the right things for the wrong reasons? Am I getting so frustrated with God? Or am I getting so frustrated with the church? Or am I getting so frustrated because really this is still all about me? And then I felt, I felt the Lord kind of begin to speak to me. And, and this is what I, what I felt him say. He said, this isn't about doing it the right way. This is about doing it God's way. Is it possible that we get so tired of doing the right thing because we're doing it on our terms? Because we're doing it our way. And when the result doesn't come out the way we think it should because we believe that our performance should equal our reward... We get frustrated with everything, with God, with life, with people, with our husbands and wives and kids and everybody. And we're so tired because we're trying to do the right thing. But is it possible that we're doing it for all the wrong reasons? Is it possible that we're doing it just for us? And we have failed at doing the right thing because we have done it our way. You see, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says this. It says there's a way that appears to be right. There's another, an, another version that says there's a way that seems good to man. But in the end, it leads to death. We're so We get so tired of doing the right thing. And I've heard it over and over with people. And I've, I've thought it myself. Well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do good by my family, by others, and by everyone else. And it's going so wrong. Why is it that people who are doing terrible things in the world are living so much better than I am. They're reaping benefits. And I'm just tired. And I'm frustrated. Is it possible that we're missing something? Is it possible? And and, and there's a thing. I, I believe that we get frustrated because there's a key component that we have been trying to do this without. And it has caused us to become discouraged. Here's the thing, I believe that all scripture is inspired, that the word of God, that the Bible is inspired by God, right? Not just the words, but anything that's, that's written in the word, that it, there, is, there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. Does anybody agree that, that everything is inspired by God? Well, the Bible makes mention many times of numbers as well. And even in this story, you see the boy sneezed seven times and he came back. And if you look in scripture, seven represents completion or fulfillment or even perfection. It's God's number. But there's another number. And I was talking about it because Elisha actually tried five different things. To try to revive this boy. And, and strangely enough, the thing that he tried the third time was the thing that he tried the fifth time. But it only worked on the fifth time. And if you look into scripture anywhere, and I believe this is the key component that we're missing so many times in our lives. The number five anywhere in scripture represents grace. It represents Grace. And I think so many times we're finding ourselves so discouraged because we're trying to do the right thing our way and we're missing God's grace. And God's grace is more than just something that gives us leeway or some wiggle room. God's grace is designed to help us see life through a completely different lens. It's designed to help me see That no matter what the situation is, God is still in control and God is still good. Amen? That what I am doing for God is never in vain. That if I am doing it God's way, it is never just because. If I'm coming to church, it is a sacrifice and God sees it. That if I'm trying to pray, if I'm trying to live right for God, and I'm seeing it through the eyes of grace. Not my way, not for my benefit, but grace helps us so that when struggles come our way. Because to say that you're doing it God's way doesn't mean that you won't face struggles and trials. The Shunammite woman and Elisha were doing it God's way, and it still backfired on them. But there was a difference. There was the grace factor. For her to say, I will not take no for an answer. I'm going to go see the man of God. If this is his promise, if this is his will, if this is his miracle, then I believe he's still in control of it. And whatever the outcome, grace allows me to continue to trust in God. And so we can say... And I, and I want you to say this. I'm going to say this, and then I want you to turn to two people and say this. Okay? This time is not last time. The only way that we can say that, and confidently, you're not saying it confidently. you will by the end of tonight, but... The only way that we can say this time is not last time is because last time I tried doing it my way and it failed. Last time I tried doing it on my own terms and on my own strength and in my own ability and based off of my own performance. But this time is not last time. Because now, this time, we can walk by grace. We can walk in God's love. We can walk with God's spirit. So this time is not last time. Is it possible that we've been missing an important key factor in our lives? And so we have found ourselves in this cycle of frustration. Some, some just trying to do the right thing. Some even trying to just do the church thing. Like I'm coming to church. I'm, I'm trying to be, and it's just my, my, my kids are out of control and my marriage is, 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 is on the brink of disaster. And, and my finances are a mess. I'm trying to do this right thing. Is it possible that we're missing the grace of God? There's something else. If you look at the story of Elisha, in the Old Testament, there were multiple, multiple miraculous births. Multiple. And they all had names. Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Samson and Samuel. And all these people had names. There was only one. It was the Shunammite woman's son who remained nameless. He was also the only one who died and was brought back. Now, I believe, I believe that the Bible from the very beginning all the way to the end always points us back to Jesus. Every single time. Is it possible that this story is not just about the Shunammite woman's son? But it's actually about Jesus. It's actually the fact that we're trying to do this without him. And we're so frustrated because things aren't going our way and and we're trying to do the right thing. And I want you to think about this. If you're frustrated trying to do the right thing and things not going your way, imagine the perfect Jesus being taken to the cross. The sinless Jesus, who came to heal the sick, to resurrect the dead, to cast out devils, spotless, sinless, perfect. And he found himself hanging from a cross. And his words were not, why isn't it going the way it is, the way it's supposed to be? He's on that cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's on that cross saying, it is finished. If there's anyone who understands the frustration, your frustration, and your despair of just wanting to do the right thing and not seeing it come to fruition, it's Jesus Christ. Is it possible that you've been missing a key component in your walk? That because you have tried to do this on your own terms, you have found yourself frustrated over and over and over again. Not just frustrated, but in the same situations, time and time again. There's anyone who understands that. It's Jesus. And the beautiful thing is we have his grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to be good enough to get it. This isn't about being good enough. This is not about your performance. This is about what he did for you. How he paid the price for you. How he took the penalty of sin for you. I've said this before. Do you know that if you were the one and only person on earth, Jesus would have still come to die for you? So I want you to ask yourself, have I been trying to do this my way? Or have I been doing it God's way? Am I finding myself frustrated because the results aren't equal to the performance? Is this about me? Because Jesus, he was was in Gethsemane hours before he went to the cross and he was praying. And he even prayed the prayer, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. If it be possible, I don't want to have to do this. Nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can we take the example and say this isn't about me? That I I don't have to face the frustration and the despair if I'm doing it God's way. You see, again, not that living for God won't come without trials because it does and it comes with, with, with a lot of things. But grace helps you to say even in this God is still with me. Even in this situation, God is still good. Even, even though it doesn't look like it right now, God still has a plan and a purpose for my life that is so much more than I could ever imagine. There's a gospel artist by the name of, of Marvin Sapp. Great, great gospel artist. He's, he's actually a pastor and wrote a few hit songs. And um, A few years ago, his wife passed away, and I believe it was from cancer. And, and, and again, just imagine, just thinking to yourself, like, God, I'm, I'm writing hit songs that they're singing for, for, for Christ all over the world. I'm pastoring a church, and it's a big church, and God is using him greatly, and just like that, his wife is gone. Imagine the frustration and the despair. And he wrote a song, it was probably his, his uh, most famous song called, Never Would Have Made It. And I'm not going to sing it because because y'all don't want to hear that. You want to hear somebody sing, you hear Pastor. He recently sang something in one of his messages. But if you really want to hear somebody sing, you hear Sister Heidi, Pastor Heidi. Man, she's she's amazing. And even more than that, you really want to hear someone sing, you hear my wife because she has the voice of an angel. My God. But he... uh, let me get back to it. He says this in the song. He says, he, says, he says, I'm stronger. I'm wiser. He says, I'm better, so much better. When I look back over all you've brought me through, I can say I've made it because I had you to hold on to. Somebody who understands the frustration of trying to do the right thing, even trying to do it God's way. And it backfiring on all cylinders. Writing gospel music, pastoring a church and your wife dies on you. And his children are teenagers. I can say I've made it because I had you to hold on to. I think that God has an answer for us so that we don't have to walk through life discouraged And frustrated because things aren't working out. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm still with you. I still have a plan for your life. I still have greater things for you. If you will learn to not do it the right way, but to do it God's way. Because what may seem right to you may not be the right way. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. Sometimes what we think is, is good and just and holy really is just about us. Thank God that we have his grace, that he understands what we go through, that he paid the price for us. Will you stand with me tonight? And so I was thinking about this and going through my story, and like I said, I spent a few months outside of the church angry and frustrated and disappointed, and I wouldn't even want to step in the church, and when I did, I would just kind of put my nose up at people and just not talk to anyone. I was so angry, and then God saw fit in his infinite wisdom and mercy to bring me back to him and restore me. And in fact, it was with about a year later that I started ministry. I started in youth ministry and was there for a couple years and moved into pastoral ministry and started doing that. And I, I can just say with all confidence that I would not be standing here had it not been for the grace of God. And even now, I'm not saying that there isn't frustration and there aren't days that are hard and there aren't times when I just don't know what to do, but it's His grace that helps me see life through a different lens. And I don't have to walk around in despair thinking, well, this is it. There's nothing more for me. Grace says there's hope in Christ. He is hope for the hopeless. He is help for the helpless. And it's his grace. It's by his grace, whether you want to admit it or not, it's by his grace that you're standing here tonight too. Only by His grace. Not because of anything good you've done. Not because you're you're righteous or any of that. Not because you're tough or smart. You're only here because of Him. Because He has something more for you. Because He has a plan for your life. So tonight, I want to invite you to answer a call, if you haven't done this already, to answer a call to do it God's way, to stop doing it your way, and stop finding yourself back at step one all over again, frustrated. And then I want to invite you to answer a call to relationship with Christ. And, and I don't want to invite you to come up and just a little bit and pray a little bit I want you to come but I want to invite you to a conversation and and the team and myself we would love to talk to you about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because ultimately we want you to start a relationship and then we want you to thrive in your relationship with Christ this is all about him it's not about us it's all about Jesus he's the one who went to the cross for you He's the one who rose on the third day for you. It's all about Jesus. So tonight, if you're ready to stop doing it your way, and you want to do it God's way, and you just want to let him know, I'm going to open these altars, and I want to pray with you, and we'll pray with you and for you. We're going to sing a song, and we're just going to worship God. And I ask, if you have to go, I understand you have to go, but if you can spend just a little bit of time just talking to him, And telling him that you want to do it his way this time. That this time is not last time. This time you're going to do it his way. This time you're going to do it by his grace. Tonight I want to invite you to come as we worship.